0: We're even having, you know, like when we talk about the Black Lives Matter, you know, discussion, right? Right. And then there's a big debate about all oh, lives matter. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Everybody knows what everyone's saying, everyone knows why. There's just a denial component, right? So it's kind of like, you know, uh, maybe it's a human nature thing, but there's a refusal to acknowledge yes. the level of responsibility that people have with respect to the history related to slavery.
1: That was Quincy Newell, and you're listening to USA TBD, a podcast exploring critical issues facing America today, of which there are many. Social justice causes, systemic racial oppression chief among them, an outdated, visionless, and unsustainable foreign policy, a broken food system in which we are literally eating ourselves to death. And a political system so dysfunctional it feels almost beyond reform. All of this unfolding within a world of accelerating exponential technological change and in a country that doesn't really know itself, where myths and half-truths still define the narratives we believe in and live by. So who are we really, deep down? And how do we get here? What's actually happening today, right now? And where do we go from here, together, as a nation and a people, in a future that is very much to be determined? I'm your host, Dave Burnett. My guest today is Quincy Newell, currently the chief content officer at Rain, a premium on-demand streaming service that delivers curated African-American and urban culture-themed content. Rain is but the latest chapter in Quincy's long, distinguished career in the entertainment business, working across music, television, and film at companies like Code Black, Lionsgate, Rhino Entertainment, and Urban Works Entertainment, and working with folks like Kevin Hart, Alicia Keys, Robert Townsend, Shaquille O'Neal and Forrest Whitaker, just to name a few. Quincy is a passionate driver of black and urban culture. He joined me from his office in Los Angeles. Quincy, thanks so much for being on the show.
0: Oh, you're very welcome, man. Pleasure to be here.
1: So, you know, uh, multiple topics that will hit across kind of the now and the and the span of your career and life. But why don't we start with where where, where you are now? And I'd love for you to tell me and the listeners a little bit about Rain and sure. and, and what it is and and origin story and sort of um, you know the, the business and what you're what you've been working on the last couple of years.
0: You got it, man. Um, well, I'm currently serving as the chief content officer uh, at RAIN. And RAIN is a um, subscription video on demand service that also has or will have an ad supported component to it. Um, RAIN services, or I should say, focuses on servicing the African American and what we call Black culture enthusiast market. Um, adult millennials is the uh, target as far as the demo, and uh, you know what we're doing really is you know just curating um, what we believe to be the top quality and most authentic uh, urban content, um, you know from studios, from broadcasters, from you know um, you know digital creators, and you know bringing it all under one roof, um, as well as create new creating new content. Uh, specifically for the audience, and you know, our goal is really to you know to provide an authentic, um, curated experience that you know kind of speaks to and caters to that audience twenty four seven. So it's a, you know it's an interesting uh, endeavor. You I know, mean, obviously, it's uh you know with the market that we're dealing with, it's you know it's, a, it's always a challenge, uh, but it's very exciting and it's been so you know a lot of fun um, so far. I've been there for about a year now, um, and it's been exciting.
1: Got it. Yeah. I'm curious. How do you? um, I was talking to someone else in our media business as well a while back. And because when I was at Viacom, we talked about corralling all of our African American screen content and launching quote unquote the black Netflix. And I said to somebody, I think they'll think the black Netflix right now is Netflix. Um, (laughs) Because they've they've done an incredible job, you know. uh, Yeah. And um, how do you, you know, when, when you look at the marketplace and you think about the offering? You know, is the, does yeah. their success embolden you? Or are you like, well, crap? It's it's sort of unfortunate they're they're doing as well as they're doing, and everyone's trying to move in this direction. How do you see yeah. the broader um, landscape as it relates to Rain's business prospects, but also just the increase in diversity that we've seen of in, in uh, entertainment in the last couple of years? Of course,
0: um, you know, you know, when you look at um, companies like Netflix and uh, you know even Hulu and Amazon, you know, they really are there to service the complete global broad audience, right? Um, so even though they may have segments that service a specific audience, that is not their business. Right. Um, so therefore, you don't have, uh, you know, a long tail of, you know, library content or content in general that is speaking to that audience, um, you know, on a complete 360 degree basis. Um, so, you know, there are, I think there is room for niche. Mm hmm. Um, services And I think, in fact, you know, the, the more the competition heats up between, you know, the new entrants and, you know, the Netflix and the Hulu's for the larger scale audience. Uh, I think the more opportunity there will be for, you know, niche services to super serve a segmented audience. And that's what we intend to do. Um, you know, and, and also when we look at the audience, you know, we're looking at ourselves as kind of solving some issues. Um, you know, if you are a um, audience or consumer that. Looks to have a full, fully engulfed, three hundred and sixty degree experience in a specific marketplace, i.e., in the African American culture market. Uh, you have to, you know, kind of really uh, have, um, you know, subscriptions to multiple sources, right? Uh, because the content that we uh, are interested in is, you know, fragmented across the, the the platform landscape. So you would have to have, you know, subscription to Hulu to Amazon, to Netflix, and just to, you know, kind of curate your own full experience. And what we're looking to do is really, you know, go to the market, pull all this content together, um, really come at it from a, um, you know, a point of view that, um, you know, ensures that there's connectivity and there's resonance with the audience and pull all that under one roof uh, so that, you know, a, a person that has a real affinity to this, you know, to this market, this culture, um, this sort of content has a place to go. Now we're we're not under the under the illusion excuse me the illusion that we are you know competing with Netflix or competing with Hulu. Um but rather we want to be that other choice, right? So say if you're a person that um you know is you know really into you know hip hop culture or really into African American culture. Um but you also like you know mainstream films. You would go to a Know an Avengers movie, but then you would also go see a Tyler Perry film, right? Right. Um, Or you might watch ABC, but you would still have your, you know, your BET channel available to you. Um, We're looking at it the same way. You know, if you you might have your Netflix as a service, you might have your Hulu, but we would love to be your third, right? Mm -hmm. Your 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 kind of your super serving um, partner um, when you want to have that full experience instead of you know having to have five subscriptions to kind of you know cobble together your your experience, you can have hours, right. Um, you can watch Netflix and you can watch rain when
1: you want to go a little bit deeper. And that's how we're looking at the market. Got it. Cool. I'm curious what your, uh, point of view is on the, on the broader landscape of, of content and services and channels and, um, you know, the players and the content that's out there from, from the point of view of an African American perspective, diversity perspective, Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, clearly there's been a huge increase, um, Mm -hmm. all to the good. But I mm-hmm. think it's still often, you know, evaluated, discussed through the white lens of mainstream media writing, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, like and, – and so for, from, from your point of view, you know, with your senior, you know, a couple decades in the business, do you see this as yet still the beginning? Are we in the third inning? Like how do you see things – where do you think we are in terms of kind of broadening out how what's getting made and for whom? Where are hmm. we in that process you know, from, from your yeah, perspective, you're, thinking of,
0: you're, you're referencing like
1: the, you know, kind of the, the diversification of the content, right? Yeah. yeah everything from, yeah. From, yeah, from yeah. Shondaland's success to, uh, you know, to the black Panther to, you know, people like Charles King and, and just the, the, yeah. the increase in output and roles and movies. It's, you know, like w- yeah. where, where, where do you think we are in that continuum? Um, well, how, you know, it's you interesting.
0: It? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, uh, if you use history as a, as a guide, you know, it would say that, you know, things are cyclical, right? You know, kind of, you know, there's a period where, you know, certain content is hot, you know, audience is hot, and then it goes back, you know, swings back the other way. You know, I hope that isn't the case now, and I don't believe that it will be, you know, because we've had this renaissance, if you will, a couple of times, you know, there's a period where you had your, you know, your Love Jones, and your, you know, Brown Sugar, and know there's a there's an era where you know um you know kind of black content and you know urban content was hot um you know but now is a bit different I, i i think simply because the audience uh has a voice now uh the consumer is really dictating um you know what you know content creators and media companies should be doing because you know dollars speak volumes right um but also the you know kind of influence of the audience um, is no longer really in the you know kind of the uh the the industry's hands it's really in the consumers and the influencers and so on so with the population changing and you know the demographic shifting um you know you just have more voice and more access to voice um, as a consumer and um, and they're, and they're kind of driving the way things are going and i don't think it's something you can avoid any longer right you can't Push content to, uh, you know, the marketplace, and and you know, depending upon what the industry decides, you're going to watch or see, or how you're going to access it. That's what it's going to be. Now it's you know the power ship bands, the consumers are dictating all of this. Right. Um, not only what they watch, but how they watch it, and where they watch it, and what device um is the the key device to to watch it from. So you know, I, I simply think that you know, te- technology has you know enabled. Um, you know kind of a different dynamic that affects and impacts the uh, the industry um, and then you know the the consumer's king in, in at this stage and, and that's my opinion and right. uh, and the con- and the face of the consumer is changing um, and also the 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 heart of the consumer is changing I believe because you know we i, I don't know what your age is, but you know I, I'm a hip hop kid um you know i'm I'm over fifty. Um, and I can say that I grew up as a hip hop kid, right? My entire life, you know, from the age of what, 13, um, you know, was, you know, kind of within the hip hop culture, right. right? Um, the music, the, the styles, all of that. And most of us now, um, that are in these offices or in these buildings, um, grew up in that environment. So there's just a more, you know, there's, there's more familiarity with it. It's more mainstream. It's more part of the DNA of pop culture. Um, you know what I mean. What I'm referencing is kind of the urban side of you know African American influenced cultural trends, um, and uh, and you know it's the same thing with you know the the Hispanic and Latino market. Um, it's just you know it's just more pervasive, and right. uh, you have to address that. And, and you know just like any marketer, you know when you're looking at the market, you want to service as much as a market as possible, and you also want to service you know markets that are that are over-indexing or you know really. It has a, high, a big appetite for, for, you know, your medium. And, uh, you know, you, you have to point in that direction because that's where revenue comes from. Right. So, you know, I think just, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that are, that are at play. And I, I think just a lot of these other things, other pieces that have been, you know, injected into the equation has, you know, just changed the circumstances. So I think, you know, this is kind of going to be the new norm um, yep. for, you know, for the you know, foreseeable future.
1: Yep. No, that seems that seems true for sure. Um talk a little bit about um you know in terms of having worked in Hollywood you know from some record business time and then all the time with Code Black and you know working with you know comedians and and getting films made can you talk a little bit about just you know how how that about your career a little bit and as as you've seen the world change you know in terms of what you what you've been able to accomplish lately and then what it was like when you were getting into the game you know back in the day
0: Oh, you're, you're dating me, man. You're making me sound, I already, I gave myself up. Hey, we're, we're both, we're both early
1: fifties. It's, uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, we can't get past uh, it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, wow. I mean, it's been a while, it's been a long time. I've, you know, uh, been in, in the business, you know, uh, a little over 30 years. Um, that was surprising to me when I actually sat down and realized that. And, um, you know, when I got into it, it was just, it was very different. You know, we didn't have social media, you know, um, right. we were, you know, really just, you know, on email, right? That was kind of brand new at the time. Um, you know, internet was, you know, just, you know, in its infancy as far as, you know, public use and so on. Um, so, you know, a lot of things, you know, that I was doing is really kind of what we're doing now on social media. Right. So I kind of entered the game as a, as a promoter and and a marketing company. Um, You know, so when uh, I was in the music business um, you know, when an artist wanted to market themselves in a particular city, they had to go to that city. Right. So they had to come and visit into a a tour, uh, a promo tour. And um, you know, I had a company that when when a record company wanted to promote their, their artists in a city uh, they would hire what they would call street teams, right? And the street team job was to go out and pass out stickers and flyers and go to the radio station and, you know, give them the material. It's essentially kind of the social networking, you know, like what social media has done, um, you know, like how we do this through the internet, it was really physical hand-to-hand right. face-to-face uh, activity. So we'd have to go create this viral um, you know if you will just using that term you know kind of effect in a market on you know in in advance of artists coming to town so people were familiar with them and you know people were introduced to them and and supported them and came out to the show and where they performed and so on Um, so there's you know there was actually a lot of opportunity for you know folks that understood how to how to make that work and i was one of those companies that was able to take advantage of that and you know, and just ultimately evolved into, you know, um, working for a company, doing that for a company, and then, you know, while inside the company, learning new things and kind of advancing through the ranks. Um, you know, but the, the key thing I, I, I did was, you know, I, I made a point to, um, you know, ask whoever I was working for at the time to uh, be trained in, you know, uh, financial planning, um, projections, uh, p and you know, budgeting, you know, so that I can actually run a division, you know, rather than being, you know, a promo guy running around, you know, town and, you know, escorting artists to shows and stuff. I wanted to be, you know, more of a business person. And, you know, and that's kind of the track that I took and, you know, involved it to, you know, moving into the DVD space early on, and then ultimately into film.
1: You um you've stayed pretty you know pretty tight to sort of, for lack of a better word, black culture, urban culture as you call it, in those mm-hmm. jobs and in your careers, mm-hmm. you know rather th- rather than you know, a, a five year swing way out on the edge in some like you <laughs> right, know more main right. more mainstream quote unquote white you know entertainment yeah. arm and then coming yeah, yeah. back in you know like,
0: yeah is that
1: is that I mean uh, you know knowing a bit about your background which I'd love for you to talk about a little bit o- over the course of our conversation. You know, mm-hmm. was that an ongoing conscious decision? Did you at any point say, well, do I go over here and work for sort of something a little bit more disney whatever, you know, white mm-hmm. bread, mm-hmm. but get get mm-hmm. some, get you know, get a couple of bones mm-hmm. and notches over there mm-hmm. and then come back? Mm-hmm. Well, you've been pretty close to that I think, mm-hmm. more personal core. You've been able to do that pretty much your whole career.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's deliberate yeah. on, on my behalf. But, you know, I also see it differently, um, you know, because we we like to, you know, kind of separate. Um, you know, kind of uh, demographics, if you will, uh, from culture, right? Uh, And, you know, if you think about when, you know, like I mentioned, I I grew up as a hip hop kid, right? So, you know, early in our days, um, you know, you being at, uh, you know, where you were at Viacom, I mean, uh, yeah, Viacom, right? Yep. Comedy Central, yeah. Um, You know just knowing you know the kind of how hip-hop culture just influenced everything like all the media you Mm -hmm. know you know in tv um so i have always believed that you know hip-hop culture which is urban culture influenced by african-american culture was mainstream right i i didn't see it the other way yep um you know so i always thought this is the, the best area to be in um because not only you know is it um you know, kind of driving, uh, you know, pop culture trends. You know, it's it's influencing purchasing habits. It's influencing style, you know, music, um, and it's and it's global. Uh, so, you know, when I was looking at it, I really was thinking about it strategically to, you know, you know, make sure that I understood this this market segment and this dynamic, um, and become you know as much of an expert in it as I could, because that is really you know, pop culture, and that is mainstream culture. I think we find that to be the case today. Um, you know, even though we still try to you know, kind of separate it, we live in an urban culture environment that is influenced by African-American trends. Our music, you know, we watch our commercials, our TV shows, oh, yeah. you know, everything. Um, even and, 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 and what I mean, though, is that it doesn't mean that everything has to be black. Right. That's that it's just a cultural, you know, kind of affinity um, in a in a in a, in a um, you know, in an adoption of a, a certain type of, you know, trend or you know, cultural um, you know, context that is influenced by African-American culture. So there's like a understanding that is evolving over time, um, you know, and then, you know, there's a lot of um, folks today, which is, you know, which is refreshing, quite frankly. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, you can talk to a, you know, an executive, um, you know, that is you know, sitting in a C-suite somewhere and, you know, their favorite group could be Wu-Tang Clan. Right. Right. <laughs> they they totally. grew up with that. Yep. Um, you know, so, you know, it's just it's a completely different conversation. It's a completely different um, reality. And, you know, I think that's a good thing because that means that people are more familiar with the different you know, cultures and, and, and people and groups that, you know, that are around around them. And by default, we start to see a shift in this kind of kinds of stories that are being told uh, the willingness to tell those stories right. and support those stories. And also the understanding um, that a person may have when they're watching um, another culture's experience and realizing that those things are very similar to mine. Um, and I can relate with that. So therefore it is not, not for me, it is something that I could um, you know, interact with and, and get some value out of. So right. and I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, but it's, it's been a conscious choice of mine. And it, it really was strategic. Um,
1: yeah. You know, all those things that you talked about are clearly, you know, part of a, you know, let's call it a, let's call it a, you know, positive arc, you know, of mm-hmm. a movement forward that's, that's got, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. better than it was before. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm sure on a bad day. And, and when we look at these issues, there can mm-hmm. be, you know, there can be the other side of the coin on a day where you, you know, of course. Uh, issues yeah. of either, you know, it's interesting, like the the irony of of the dominance of black culture through white mm-hmm. society, while you mm-hmm. still have, you know, racial injustice at a high level and other types of mm-hmm. uh, systemic mm-hmm. oppression, mm-hmm. type of yes. you know in, things in the infrastructure, um, right. it it can kind of cut both ways on some at right. some level, you know, right. Um, right. and so, you know, how do you uh, do you have any thoughts about that sort of that sort of it's not it's not an ironic part of it, but it is you know when you talk about like the gift of jazz and the blues and where mm-hmm. rock and roll comes mm-hmm. from, and mm-hmm. then you look at sports mm-hmm. and you look at music and you just sit back and that say, oh my right. God, this is a massive you right. know uh contribution right. to the overall culture while right. we're dealing with mass incarceration and uh, police brutality and other issues um right you know, simultaneously. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of a, it, there's a couple of contradictions and I'm still generally an optimist, but it's uh it's not, it's, it's not a simple uh, dynamic.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. You know, it, the, you know, we live in a world or a, you know, a society, um, you know, that uh, in, in America, um, you know, that's has a history, right. You know, racism and slavery and, you know, prejudice, and, you know, that's, you know, as, what do you call it, you know, with the American pie, right? right? It's American, it's American pie, right? Yep. So that, you know, so, you know, given that, you know, that is is the foundation, uh, part of the foundational fabric of our country um, and our existence, um, you know, it's, it's deeply wound, right? right. Um, so to unwind it is going to take a lot of time. Yeah, it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. These are talking about people that are conditioned to view and see things a particular way. Right. Um, people that still harbor fear, um, and misinformation. Um, you know, there's still the power structure uh, component of it. Who's controlling what? You right. Know, resources, money, um, government. You know, you know, policy, law. Um, you know, and who controls that is the beneficiary right. of it the most. Uh, so. You know, there's 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 a lot of systemic things that we have to deal with. Um, What I do think is that the strong stranglehold um, that the kind of um, you know, I don't want to use the phrase white supremacy, but you know, kind of um, you know, the racist um, you know kind of culture. Because I don't think I, I think you know everybody can be racist in, in some way right but Bridges it's
1: funny just way. as a quick aside it's like we do yeah. we do need a couple I feel like we need a couple different words right not not yeah. not not to obfuscate you know the way the military yeah. says near yeah. miss and you're like wait a minute it's not a near yeah. miss it was a near hit who made up the term Correct. near miss Correct. it sounds good right. even right. though it was almost a calamity and right. i don't want to come up with a new word because white supremacy is too triggery um, yes. but but you know you could make the ar- argument very very rationally that Essentially, yes. America has had a form of apartheid without question. Um, Absolutely. And we never use that word. And we we, right. di- we divest right. now chant at our college campuses to get out of South African companies, et cetera. And then yes. go, yes. Nelson Mandela, no one said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just drove from <laughs> East L.A. through South Central up to Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Do we not have apartheid in Los Angeles, you know, artificially <laughs> with different sections? You know, I mean, right, this is right. me. I'm saying this like in the 1980s, right. 90s. Right. and. Right. And and yet and yet like you're referring to it's it's not necessarily, you know, uh, a boardroom where everyone's got their you know white uh, hood you know in the desk right. drawer. It's just the right. white power structure built on a white supremacist, you know, philosophy. Psychology. Yeah. However, yeah. it's yeah. however it is or yeah. isn't named, right? And of course, yeah. white people walk yeah. white people walk around without a race, not even realizing yeah. that they're part of this, you know, dominant uh, group right. in the society. So. Right. Um, and it's so
0: it's so nuanced, too. I mean, you know, like, you know, white supremacy is a psychology or a philosophy or, or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, racism is to me is like, you know, a, a tool or of some sort of, a, you know, something that you, you know, kind of uh, you execute, if you will. Um, you know, like so this white supremacist uh, idea, um, you know, came up with, OK, then racism is the thing that we're going to use to, you know uh, you know, affect our objective here, which is to you know, control and, and, and maintain power. Right. Um, you know, and you, you are right. Like, you know, there are folks that, you know, um, you know, may not subscribe to the, the white supremacist, um, you know, idea, um, fully, um, but have prejudice. Right. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, act in racist ways, but not, intentionally you know want to be racists right right so I, I think it's it's you know and there are folks that are fully subscribed to it and you know so there's degrees and there and it's 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 nuanced um but the you know the net, the net of it all is that you know that I, ideology um you know is a part of the foundation of you know the kind of American psychology right yep and you know and we have to un- unwind that somehow right and I think you know, what we're seeing now, and this is just, you know, my my kind of view perspective is you're seeing uh, a shift happen. And, you know, a lot of this has to do with, you know, demographics and population shift. Right. So we talk about, you know, the uh, you know, the demographics um, uh, you know shifting over you know, the next few years where, you know, the majority of the population will be minorities. Right. right? Um, and, you know, they say what, about 2040 or whatever the, the, the year is that, the you know, there's a major population shift, right. Which is why we're seeing, of course, in my opinion, the argument over immigration, right. right. The more, you know, you know, brown folks that come into the country, you know, adds to that population, adds to the voice of that population and also affects the, you know, um, the demographics and the voting and the decisions and therefore the laws yep. um, and therefore the power structure, right? Um, you know, so you know, I that's inevitable it is going to happen. It yep. is happening. Yep. right? And what we're seeing is a fight against that and um, You know, it's you know, it's hit kind of a desperation point in my opinion because you know, people that are unwilling to understand that um, you know that it could be a positive thing a good thing ultimately Right. Um, You know, but you're faced with losing the control and and the real, you know, kind of, um, you know, hand on the power, you know, the the, the scale, Um, you know, that's that's that's, you know, that's that's a tough thing to 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 face, especially if you you subscribe to a certain ideology and or you believe that it is um, to the detriment of your, you know, your your culture, your race, which I think is an odd thing to say, by the way you know it's a human race but anyway right you know the uh you know that you know that it's you know something that cannot happen at all cost and i get it right so if you have been a you know a culture that is brutalized and you know savage savagely you know destroyed and brutalized you know a particular segment of the population right because we cannot forget you know lynching burning you know i mean it's it's just you know uh you know the 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 you know kind of dis- destroying communities um and you know if you understand that that's happened and you shift power right what do you think's going to happen you know wh- or at least you think that's going to be the reciprocated you know way of treating each other right, right? like that's what's going to happen to you and i uh, you know i don't believe that i don't believe that that's you know, going to be the result. But if you're you know, in that position, I'd be terrified. You, you know, know it's be, interesting though. You
1: know, um, yeah. I, I think that what's uh, to me, I almost see an, almost more an insidious version of what you said, because the mm-hmm. first part of your statement was if you, you know, in a sense, mm-hmm. understand and comprehend the brutality mm-hmm. and the treatment. But I think mm-hmm. right there, that's part mm-hmm. of the problem. Most mm-hmm. people, I don't think really think of it that way. Mm-hmm. They think of it as something isolated in the past, They've never really been educated deeply about it. It becomes mm-hmm. sort of black and white photographs and slavery is sort of like way back in the some other time. And it's so far do you think, away. Do you think, do you you think
0: really? Because, you know, I, I think, you know, it like you have to be living under a rock, like literally. Yeah, I don't yeah. care where you're from. Right. Right. Um,
1: to not know. To not I, don't, not I don't mean complete ignorance. Understand. Yeah, I don't mean complete ignorance. I, I'm, I'm okay. not saying like okay. totally okay. clueless. Yeah. But yeah. but I think, um, you know, there's a book uh, called uh, The Half Never Told by Edward mm-hmm. Baptiste. He's a professor mm-hmm. at Cornell who I would love to get on this show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's basically all about, it's like the history of slavery and sort of the end of the head, like through the Civil War right. and beyond and in right. an in-depth way that, you know, every page you're like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And, and right. I, you open up the book and it has three maps. And yeah. it basically shows you from like a sort of late 1700s, Mm 1820s, maybe right to the Mm -hmm. Civil War, that slavery was spreading and growing, even Mm -hmm. at the time when the war broke out. Mm
0: -hmm. I think most
1: Americans when they think of their high school, you know, couple months in 11th Mm -hmm. grade, are Mm -hmm. like, you know, the antebellum South was kind of a backwards place. Slavery was Mm -hmm. this inefficient, dying model and all Mm -hmm. these good old boys with their you know, wives speaking French and you know, living in their their plantations, kind of held on to this you know, antiquated system that, you know, that days were numbered on top of its evil, you know, uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's just completely false. And this book mm-hmm. just blew, blew you know, the first three pages. I'm looking at this going, well, what do you mean that this was growing and there were the number of slaves and, you know, but it was all being mm-hmm. done internally with slaves being mm-hmm. moved from the mid Atlantic to the West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These, and it was all being financed in New York. Like, Mm -hmm. And sort of his thesis is like, so that's what I mean when I say like, I don't think people for the most part really understand, you know, Understand, a deeper level of it, yeah, right? and, li- yeah, and, li- yeah. and, li- and like and like that <laughs> lynchings were happening as far into the 20th century as they were, right? And, yes, right. And, and do, right. do most people really understand how redlining worked? Like, you it's, know, right. even like just it, recently, I don't think they do. I guess to the point where, so I'm with you, but I think that, they, or even the
0: Jim, or even the Jim Crow era, t- yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're right. The I, war I on drugs I mean, and even, how that was, how that I, you know. Even, even you know, even African Americans, you know, like I can across the board, people don't don't really know unless they study right on, on their own, right? You know, the the depths of which you know people and in the institutions have gone to support and, and uphold the idea, and you know the you know the kind of racist agenda,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Um, so that yeah, I agree with that. My point but was that 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 however, person, that however, person, do you have yeah. to know, right? Right. Like what you have, what, what you have to acknowledge in order to move to a place of um, awareness, I believe, is you don't have to know that as deeply as we've, you know, maybe studied it a bit. Right. What you have to acknowledge is that it, it, a, a sinister um, effort existed, right, right. to oppress um, and to brutalize a particular group right yeah because what we're 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 even having you know like when we talk about the black lives matter (laughs) you know discussion right right and then there's a big debate about all lives matter it's like come on guys yeah everybody knows what everyone's saying everyone knows why there's just a denial component right so it's kind of like you know uh, maybe it's a human nature thing but there's a refusal to acknowledge yes the level of responsibility that people have with respect to the history related to slavery
1: that's right right. that's that yeah like you said no matter how you get it if you don't if you don't have some strong sense of that reality whether it's in depth or even just on the surface but you but you actually are grokking it as they say in silicon valley then you have to do that before you can pivot to the next thought which you were talking about exactly yeah Yeah.
0: so you it's, it's 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 i think it's you know it's a conscious effort to disconnect, right? To not have to, because, I mean, you know, think about this. If you do, you know, and, 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 you know, this is me, you know, being compassionate about it, right? You know, you know, kind of the whole idea of the sins of your father, right? Right. Um, where you carry that burden, regardless of whether you are, you know, responsible or, or whatever, it's, right. you still carry that burden because as a result, you are the beneficiary mm-hmm. of the sins of your father, right? Right. Um, and that's what you know, I in, in the book that I wrote and I and appreciate you reading it. Um, I Have this idea of legacy, right? Right that regardless of where you start Right, we like we have a responsibility to uphold the legacy of our, our family, right? But our culture society, etc But no matter where you start you have a responsibility to start putting bricks in So I just use the analogy of a brick building a brick structure, right? Right. Some of us arrive with a fully intact constructed building right so all we have to do is you know put mortar to make sure we patch holes continue to put bricks on top fortify it and so on but some of us come in with the building and the structure completely demolished
1: mm, that's right a good
0: metaphor and we still have the same responsibility it may shift a little bit but it is put bricks in their rightful place where they're supposed to be replace yeah. them right Um, But the fact that when we arrived, the building being torn and demolished or fully uh, intact is a result, a direct result of what transpired prior. Right. Yeah. So a demolished building has been destroyed. You know, an intact building has been preserved. Yeah. So if you acknowledge it, you know, then then there comes a level of responsibility to it. Yep. Right. And, and I think what we have challenged with is the responsibility aspect. I do not want to be responsible for the sin of my father. Right. Um, and, and I get that, I, I, it, you know, but that's, it is what it is, right? It's, it's right. unfortunate, just like it is unfortunate that, you know, um, my history um, had to be, you know, smeared by um, slavery. Right. Right. Because if that did not exist, my reality today may be different. Right. My circumstances may be different. Um, but, you know, I am burdened with that. Yep. Right. But that's, but I you know, I, I, I have to acknowledge that I have to accept it. I have to recognize it because if I do not, then I can't see where I'm going and I can't see the purpose of my journey. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think there's just has to be generally. A, a universal acknowledgement that, you know what, this did happen. There is accountability and responsibility that has to be attached to it. Right. And, um, you know, and there, you know, we get it. We are, you know, there's an apology or whatever it is. And there's an acknowledgement and there's a, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a, a coming home component. And now, now that we get this, now that we see it, what do we do about it? How do we cure this moving forward? And if we can't get there, then you can't have the conversation of moving forward. We're kind of stuck in that place where there's a lack, you know, like the hot potato. It's not mine. It's not mine. Oh no, it's your fault. You know, know, that's, that's what's happening right now. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of human nature, right? I mean, you can probably apply that to anything. That's Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's much more, you know, um, you know, much more serious and, and, yeah. and much more, you know, important, um, for all of us uh, if, if we're going to survive, you know,
1: no, yeah, um, survive and, and thrive yeah, yeah, for sure and survive
0: and thrive and the systemic piece of it all, you know, I was just watching, um, this video about hip hop and business and corporate culture. Right. And what they were talking about was, you know, how, like we don't want to acknowledge or believe that the systemic nature of you know, racism and prejudice has kind of infiltrated the psychology, subconscious psychology of everyone around, and that there aren't potentially some folks that are deliberately trying to ava- advance that agenda, i.e. Um, in, in the argument that they're making. I, I don't have an opinion whether it's right or wrong, but there's a feeling mm-hmm. that I, I believe that it's possible, right? um and, and i think you know most african americans feel that things are possible right like when we hear these outlandish stories we're like right. oh that seems reasonable and right. then other folks are like what are you talking about that's crazy right right uh, it's because it's happened before right um you know where they talk about you know uh the the degradation of the black image um through hip hop right right um and how companies and corporations have uh, propped up the most negative aspects of um, Black culture representation, and has essentially ignored the positive aspects of Black representation. And in addition, maybe a more politically edged aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So you think about, you know, like uh, Public Enemy, you know, versus N.W.A. Right, you know? and 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 you know, what, what segment of the, of the music thrived gang culture, right. You know, rape culture, um, drug culture, um, you know, uh, you know, calling women's bitches and women, bitches and hoes and all this stuff. And that's what, you know, kind of, you know, like is the dominant voice coming from kind of this black culture movement, but it has evolved. If you watch it, it, it wasn't always that way. It actually changed. Right. And turned into that and now we have what we have today which is you know what 80 percent of the music is you know talking about drugs glorified drugs gangsters you know gang bangers right. you know degradation of women you know sexualization of women and men and you know all of that and nothing's positive right? right and there's very few um major artists that are really talking positively about you know of the upliftment of a particular you know culture um of black culture and its its people, and right. when you travel around the world, you know black culture trends are some of the most popular trends in the world. Oh yeah, but the representation um, that is used paints blacks. In a completely negative light, right? So when you're, you know, if you're in, you know, around the world somewhere, you're thinking, oh, I love this music. I love Everybody I know is a, is a gangster. Everybody I know is a, you know, ex-gangbanger, and that becomes who we are, right? Yeah. But you don't hear of Kenneth Chenault, you know, the CEO of American Express, right? You don't right. hear these people that are that, you know, are people that you should know, right? Obama was a, a refreshing. Uh, you know, uh, presence in our world because he represented something that no one saw, right? Ever, right? And that's crazy, you know, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, w- what is he? An intelligent, you know, educated, black family man. Right. Like, what's so special about that? Quite uh, honestly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Except for he's a unicorn. Right? Right. That's crazy. That's amazing. Right. But that kind of speaks to how the black image has been represented through media over the years and, and hip hop music, quite frankly, what they're arguing has been the main culprit of, of, of doing that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about it, I suppose. I'm, I think, I think music and youth culture in general, that's a very, that's a very slippery chicken in the egg, you know, dynamic because yes, rebellion, bad boys, dangerous behavior, risk, you know, Mm uh, Anti-authoritism, whether it's the Sex Pistols or, you know, or a rap band. That's like there's something in that that is always, you know, cultivated by people that sell it and also exploited by artists, etc. Think think
0: about it, though. Think about it. though. think what you just said. Right. So like the Sex Pistols. Right. right? Um, You know, uh, all of those bands that were, you know, back in those days, what were they? They were
1: anti-government, anti-government. Right.
0: Right. Um, And they were railing against government for the oppression of people. That's true. Whether it be the working class, right? That was a thing. Right. right? So, so today, you don't, that's not the same. That is what's happening today.
1: I guess that's right. Yeah. I guess I was thinking about just bands in general, the Rolling Stones, just that rock and roll Elvis's hips. Yes. It's always been, you know, and I guess, uh, would you agree that probably at least maybe now going forward, as you were saying about technology, opening things up and the consumer being in more control, at some level, you know, we have to start blaming ourselves for what we like, right. On a certain level now, because almost anybody can, you know, the, the record labels and the TV networks aren't quite the gatekeepers. They were, they still are, they still are king and queen Mm -hmm. makers, but, Mm -hmm. um, people Mm -hmm. can get out and get a following. Um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know,
0: we, what we consume, you know, you are what you eat. Right. right. Um, so yeah, there is a total responsibility on our side, but on, on the consumer side, but the, um, I do think what we have to acknowledge is, you know, what has been fed into the psyche uh, yep. of our, you know, our kind of social, you know, minds, our consciousness over the last, you know, how many years? 30, 40 years, you yeah. know, I'm, I mean, forever, quite right. frankly, but, right. um, you know, in, in, a, in a real amplified way, in a real sinister way, right, because you're you're dancing to it, you know, like we, the, we're, we're, you know, i know jump into the R. Kelly thing or, or whatever, but, you know, the fact that these two things can coexist. You know, a person can love this person's music even though they are who they are. Right. Right. Um, you know, and we, this, there's this just crazy kind of, you know, kind of coexistence of, you know, um, us accepting entertainment as entertainment even though subconsciously it's not, it's propaganda. It can be propaganda.
1: I right. Should say. Right.
0: Um, and, uh, and then kind of having a bifurcated, uh, you know, view of that person as an individual, right? Like right. we we're basically endorsing, you know, a pedophile through the support and listening of music. Right. Um, and you can reconcile those things. People do that. Right. And I, I think, you over the years, you you know, society to a degree, um, has been conditioned, you know, um, to, to, you know, think and believe and operate in a particular way. Um, you know, it's a similar, I think we're having this conversation, maybe you and I about, you know, how, um, you know, kind of the mind over, over, you know, that kind of mind can, is a powerful tool or powerful, you know, organism or whatever you call it. Um, and, uh, however, we don't exercise it the way that we should. Um, because if we did, we'd understand that our mind can control our subconscious mind and, you know, and, and kind of override what we believe and feel emotionally. Right. But most of us operate in the, in the reverse where our emotions drive our, our
1: mind, right.
0: Um, how we feel and what we think. Um and then we get caught in this loop, you know whether it be a negative you know kind of self talk or you know um or you know kind of controlled by our feelings entirely and that feeling controls our mind versus the opposite um you know it's a, it's it's kind of the you know um i'm i'm not as you know kind of in, uh educated about this aspect of what I'm talking about, but you know the idea that you know if you are feeding your your mind and I think social media kinda actually makes it worse. You're constantly putting this information in your body and your mind. And it kind of starts to shape how you think and how you feel. And you know, you're constantly getting you know emotional reaction out of this. And it's kind of conditioning your mind to believe and think and see things a particular way. You know, and and media has done that over time, I think, through entertainment. Yeah. Um and now that we have social media, it's amplified that effect. Um, and it's making it worse, even though it is actually a, a a positive tool that we get to use to, you know, to have a voice and, and to be able to speak. So I, I, I think it's I think it's super complicated. It's super interesting, um, but it's more uh, I, I think we have a a, a bigger problem, you know, uh, in front of us than we we acknowledge at right. this point.
1: Well, it's funny yeah. you say about the about. So you are what you eat, and of course, nutrition, mm-hmm. nutrition, and eating habits in this country are pretty horrible, and and yes. doctors just throw pills at people instead of saying why don't you change your diet and that's a whole other mm-hmm. topic but mm-hmm. it's sort of common sense but we seem to sort of mm-hmm. blindly not connect what we're eating with our health in many ways mm-hmm. as a society and mm-hmm. i think the same is true with media and it's mm-hmm. it's um you know it it's amazing that we don't like you know when you think about the video game business and all the single uh, player mm-hmm. shooter games and everything and mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. it seems it would seem incredibly naive and stupid to believe that a population and a segment of that population could spend countless hours in simulated violence and that it wouldn't have an impact on them. It just, it's just so, it's so ridiculous. Right. Uh, and even just on the basic things of like, of course, you know, I'm an iPhone user. Now, everybody in my family has got mm-hmm. the screen time thing, giving us the updates. And we all look at mm-hmm. it with our mouths gaping open once a week going, holy shit, mm-hmm. four hours a day, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see your teenage kid uh, curl up in a fetal position watching YouTube videos with their phone for an hour on the couch, Right. right. The, the idea that all of these behaviors, video games, like you said, music and things we watch, would not be impacting the way our brains work and how we perceive the universe and move forward mm-hmm. as individuals is, mm-hmm. is laughably ridiculous when you think about yes, it. how would totally it be agree. possible that, that those inputs could not have an impact on how you process your life mm-hmm. and move through the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And yet it's we, crazy. we don't really, you know, whether it's like censorship or who's going to control or not, you know, but we don't, you know, how, how come we don't have lots of, you know multiplayer games where people go around hugging people and you know like you know, right. why yeah. well, I yeah. guess because money you know, making, yeah.
0: you're saving money no, yeah right like well this so game good. is so great so I
1: like I helped <laughs> three people and I walked a lady across the street and I got I got some extra groceries and I made a vegan <laughs> right. dinner like woohoo but right. um yeah I mean right. I, I don't know what the solve is you, you know you can't you know but but it's just what's it's just and I know there's academic people who write about all these things impacted video yeah. games and, and yeah. obviously yeah. screen addiction is a massive thing that we're all uh Oh, I think, yeah, feeling massive. anxious about and trying to understand yeah. why we're all yeah. doing it, adults and children. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, the idea that it's not going to have an impact is just insane. It's um, insane. It's had an
0: impact. You know, it's having an impact, you know, and that's the crazy thing. Um, I was listening to this uh, this show yesterday, and there's a, a person uh, running for president, I forgot his name, uh, Yang or, uh I forgot his name, uh, this Asian gentleman, and he was talking about um, the kind of how AI is one of the biggest threats to our economy and you know our workforce uh, that we've seen in the last you know century or something. Um, the you know the fact that you know kind of autom- automation you know has already uh, disenfranchised a large. Portion of our population. When you think about, you know, kind of Detroit, you know, right. automakers and and so on, and then you know, retail is going to be is being impacted. And it's like it's already happening. We've talked about machines replacing people, but it's already happening right now. And right. the biggest threat we have, which no one's talking about, is you know the impact that technology is going to have on our society, right? Not just from you know kind of a psychological, you know, an emotional standpoint, but you know, an actual. Kind of, you know, economic standpoint with respect to the ability for people to make a living. Yeah, and you know, and you know, it's it's like these things are all sitting underneath, and there are real major issues, but they're being ignored because profit is being put above people and above humanity. Um, and you know, and I and I think it's you know, um, you know, we're we're in a very dangerous place. Um, you know, if we don't kind of come to grips with, you know, um, how our pursuits of, you know, the bottom line and, you know, profits for shareholders, et cetera. You know, I know a business person, I, I, you know, it's, it's, you know, I struggle with this because I, you know, I, 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 like the idea of, you know, the, the kind of free market economy to be able to, you know, succeed as a business person. But at the same time, if our, you know if our you know humanity is destroyed as a result and if our you know our our people can't you know survive uh, and they can't make living and you know families are destroyed like well, what does all of that mean exactly right, right? right. you know we, we ultimately have chaos down the line and we're, we're going to have more problems than we believe and then power is going to be concentrated in, in fewer and fewer hands as a result yeah you know because that those profits are distributed you know right. it's it's a
1: major problem. I think the other variable, and I want to talk about your book in a second before we wrap up. Yeah. The other the other variable, yeah. I think that's a part of what you just said, is also the, the rate of that change. It's one yeah. thing for it to be happening and not be acknowledged. It's another yes. thing for it to be slowly, let's just use a Moore's law, like doubling under mm-hmm. your nose every year. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you look up and mm-hmm. 20 years worth of change has happened in five.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, one plant, two plant, you know, two plant, mm-hmm. four plant, eight plant, 16 plants. Like that's how that mm-hmm that's how these exponential technologies happen they yeah they uh they can happen really fast i think it's the rate yeah. of change also that's a big part of that of that yeah. issue but, yeah. but but let's talk just briefly um b- about your book tell me tell me you know what drove you to write it um and obviously it gets into all kinds of things about your own vision of how to move through the world you know as a person yeah. obviously as a black man in america um, yeah. and the idea of sort of some principles about how to how to carry oneself in your own personal journey. Tell me what moved you to, to write it.
0: Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I want to, you know, I would love to say that, you know, I had this dream of writing this book for a long time, but you know, that I didn't, uh, one day I woke up, um, it was in 2000, what, 16. And, uh, I woke up very grateful. And, uh, you know, my, my kids, uh, you know, we had just spent some time together, you know, you know, we did this uh, yearly family trip, you know, I looked over at my wife, um, you know, and she's smiling at me and, and looking around my, you know, my house and I'm like going, wow, mm-hmm. you know, you put your head down, um, you know, you, you, you have circumstances like, mine. Well, you kind of put your head down and you run. And you're essentially running away from poverty, you're running away from the streets, you're running away from, you know, homelessness, you know, all of these things that plague a, you know, a a young person, but all, you know, but also, you know, in particular, you know, kind of young black men, you know, um, there's this whole saying about, um, you know, I'll be lucky if I live to be 21. Right. Um, And that's something that, you know, young black men say. Um, because, you know, historically the odds of you dying younger, you know, are, are really high, whether it be through gang violence, drugs, you know, police, you know, whatever, yep. um, going to prison the whole night. So I woke up grateful and, um, you know, I, I said, you know what? Uh, I just felt compelled to do something and to write something. Um, and, uh, I, was also at the same time, you know, going out and speaking to kids at high schools. And, you know, I I went to the juvenile hall here in L.A. to, you know, kind of share some of my thoughts. As a colleague of mine say, why don't you, you know, why don't you go out and talk to some of these kids? They'd love to hear your story. And, you know, I was inspired. So, you know, it just all culminated in me, you know, and I want to document this. You know, I have a son, uh, boys, you know, that I that I'm a mentor and a father to, you know, let me leave something for them. Um, and that kind of compelled me to 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 sit down and, and start writing and it. it was really a you know halfway a love letter to my sons um, but also a love letter um, to you know other boys uh, of color, uh, black boys in particular um, to you know let them know or give them some insight and say, hey, you know what I mean, it's tough out here. let's acknowledge that, but you are better than they tell you you are. And that was really the the the, the driving. You know, um, force behind it, and I just laid out some of the things that I've just always kind of subscribed to, and people have taught me, um, and just tried to put it um, down. So not only I can leave it for my son, but also leave it for them, and hopefully it'll do some do some good. You know, but the focus is on, you know, uplifting yourself. You know, how to take responsibility for the upliftment of your your own person by first having some recognition of the environment you're in. Meaning, you know, as a black man in America, you know, uh, there's, you know, you're public enemy number one, right? right. You yeah. know, if you look at everyone, you're the public enemy number one and you are demonized, you are, you know, misrepresented, um, you know, you are feared, um, not for all the good reasons. Um, and, uh, and there's a challenge for you, right? So let's not pretend that that does not, that doesn't exist. Yep. However, despite that, remember these things. Right. Number one, no one can tell you how valuable you are. Only you can determine that. Right. So you are in control of your destiny, personal destiny, your personal psychology. Number two, you know, um, you, we all talk about, you know, what's my purpose? I have to find my purpose. I argue that you already born with the purpose, i.e. to uphold your legacy, right? Your legacy, your community's legacy, whatever you're attached to. That is your job. Um, when you were born, do so you have a responsibility to that? Um, and then remember that God is there, right? And use those tools um that you know or that that God is giving you to you know to navigate and and understand that everyone is given these tools, right? It's just a matter of what you work out the most, right? and what your natural propensity is um, <clears throat> and find those things and you know and lean into those things and do it. But remember, that, you know, um, your priorities have to be straight. Number one, money should never be the priority, right? Because money uh, comes from these other things. But if you focus on your, you know, your, your kind of your spiritual center, um, your character, um, making sure that you are a productive uh, member of society, um, you know, that you take care of your family, that you represent your culture and your community, um, with respect and honor, um, that you will get these other things. Right. But if you continue to do this, you will be a better person and you'll be a happier person. Um, so, you know, um, I just, you know, I, I just felt that it was important. I believe that we all have a responsibility, um, quite frankly, uh, like, you know, when you hear musicians and artists have platforms and say, I'm not a role model. It's like, yes, you are. Right. Um, Everyone is. Um, you, when you walk out of the door every day, you know, Mr. Dave Bernath, you're representing the Bernaths, right? right. What you do affects your your, your your family, your family name, your children, your wife, your community. Um, so, therefore, you have to operate from that perspective and understand what, you know, what responsibility you have. And, uh, you know, I subscribe, I subscribe to that, and I wanted to share that with other young men, and hopefully, um, you know, it'll be helpful to them.
1: That's Awesome. Um, cool. Well, Quincy, thanks so much for taking the time today. Great conversation. I appreciate having you on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you uh, inviting me, and uh, it was a, a joy. And, uh, you know, look forward to doing something in the future.
1: My thanks again to my guest, Quincy Newell. Thanks for listening to USA TBD. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show and help us spread the word to family, friends, and the multitudes on social media. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at USATBD. Thanks to my editor and engineer, Alex Brazell. We'll see you next time.